Okay, just take a look here. Um, we're going to be looking at each week certain uh, scripture passages. So uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, it's okay because the scripture is here, but sometimes I find it helpful just to have a Bible with me. So we'll read the scripture here. This is what we'll be kind of breaking open and looking at each week. Um, the scripture that's assigned for that particular session. So session one is called the, A New Beginning. And overall, we're looking at plan for God's family. So the scripture says this from Romans, For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we, so, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Okay, so we're going to take a look at this passage tonight, these passages here, and see how they help us understand what it means to be planned for God's family. So we were planned to live a life of purpose and freedom, and the joy of a life fulfilled and satisfies one that finds meaning and purpose in this life and with continuity with the next life. We are made for friendship with God. The joy of being friends with God is the joy of finding fulfillment in a personal relationship with Him. Our satisfaction is derived from finding the center of our life in this relationship. So you can see uh, this passage begins to help us understand that obviously the Lord wanted something for us that was was lost, and Christ came to restore that by his death and by his resurrection. So much so, he wanted us to be joined to him in that. We call the Catholic understanding of that his baptism, which we'll see in a moment. Romans 6, then, verses 4 through 8, it all starts with God. It's not about us. It isn't about our personal fulfillment or peace of mind. It's far greater than family, career, or our most ambitious dreams. To know why I'm here in this world why I need to begin with God. I focus on myself, such as what do I want to be or what should I do with my life will never reveal my life's purpose. Popular books, movies, seminars try to tell us that it does begin with me. I am to look to myself to find fulfillment. That's what the world tells me. But probably you, you tried this and it didn't work. Only in God do we discover our origin our identity, our meaning, our purpose for life. Life is about letting God use us for his purposes. Some say we need self-help or improve to improve ourselves, but self-help is really no help at all. You could reach all the personal goals you have for your life and miss the purposes for which you've been created. So we begin with God and his purposes for us. That's what we're going to be exploring over this series. You know, and beginning that tonight and next week with plan for God's family. And a lot of times our culture says, begin with yourself. Try to improve yourself. You know, what are your career goals? You know, but Christianity says something different. It says, begin with God. What's God's purposes for us? What does he, what has he created you for? Number two, he is found from the scripture from Romans 6. For we have died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. In verse 5 here, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. 
In the Catholic vision, we have been united with Jesus in his death through baptism. Our sins are put to death in his death. We become filled with his life. Now, this the Catholic vision of baptism is the church's way of saying that part of being planned for God's family means I'm joined to him. We're going to see what that looks like tonight. Um, if you look at the quote here from Hilary of Potiers, one of the early church leaders, he said, everything that happened to Christ lets us know that after the bath of water, the Holy Spirit swoops down upon us from high heaven and that adopted by the Father's voice, we become sons of God. So you are no accident. God was thinking of you before the world ever began. He designed you to live in this world. In fact, he made the world for you. He did all this because God is love. Love is the essence of his character. Love is his nature. And the main characteristic of love is that it gives. God is a giver of life. And your life is a gift because God, who is love and out of love, gives life. So God joins himself to you in baptism. This love joining himself to you whom he made in love. He gives life to you by creating you. He gives life to you in joining himself to your baptism. So, God, the nature of God is love. So we begin with the purposes of what God has in store. His, his heart and who he is is love. And love then made the world for you and then has a purpose for your life and joins himself to you through baptism. So why is this important? Our lives are driven by something. The dictionary describes drive as to guide, to control or to direct. What is driving your life right now? It may be a deadline, problem, a painful memory, a haunting fear, or an unconscious belief. Some things that can drive our life are, okay, the first is many are driven, in a sense they're driven by, we'll see, when I talk about drives, before I actually fill in the blanks here, when I talk about drives, what I'm talking about here is those things that seem to control our life, those things that seem to propel us in directions that sometimes we just don't know where they come from, why they're so powerful, um, yet they're there in our life. So the first thing is, many people are driven by guilt. Some spend their entire lives running from regrets and hiding from shame. People who are driven by guilt, usually driven by memories that manipulate them. They allow the past to control their future, and they become prisoners of it. The Bible is full of people who are driven by their past. Moses, remember, he killed the Egyptian, and it was seen. He ran from that. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. David, murder and, uh, and adultery. But they learned to not become prisoners of it. I think that's a key thing. They were not prisoners of their past. Many people are driven by resentment and anger. They hold on to hurts, and they never seem to let go of them. Some people hold on to resentments, and they internalize them to the point of shutting down on life. Others internalize anger, and they blow up. In both cases, they become unhealthy. So people deal with resentment and anger in different ways. We have different ways of dealing with that. And uh, But in any case, some may blow up, some may kind of shut down with life. But it's all unhealthy and it's destructive to their life. 
Next is many people are driven by fear. These fears come in various shapes and sizes. Fear-driven people usually miss out on life because they're too afraid to venture out. People become imprisoned to their fears. They can't become what God created them to be. And then many people are driven by the need for approval. People driven by this are those who are driven by expectation of parents, teachers, spouses, or children. Pleasing others often causes a person to miss out on God's purposes. It's like serving two masters. Now, these are just some of the things, there might be other things, but there's some of the things that can drive us and drive people. And we'll see in a moment, this is what it's going to be, how the one way of defining original sin. What what drives us? That is that pulls us away from God's purposes for our life and from friendship with Him. So number four here, there are many things that more that can drive us in this Catholic vision and the Catholic, these things that drive us from the understanding that sin is missing the mark as to what God intended. How did the sin of Adam become the sin of all his descendants? The whole human race is in Adam as one body of one man. Adam and Eve committed a personal sin that is a personal offense against the goodness and majesty of God. This is transmitted in human nature. While this remains a mystery to us regarding how this sin is transmitted, nonetheless, one can see the effects of this transmission in our world and our own lives. Our sin, then, is an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. It is a failure in genuine love for God and others. It wounds our nature and injures our relationship with others. When the scripture says that sin loses its power, we're referring to the remaking of our human nature, the healing of the wounds of human nature and our relationships. This is being joined to the life of Jesus, the life of love through baptism. So when Paul speaks about, in that passage from Romans, uh, that we just saw, you know, verses... Um, verses 4 and 5 to say that we've been united with him in his death means that he wants to remake our nature now he wants to remake those wounded parts of us those broken parts of us those parts of us that are driven by so many different things so this is a way to understand sin and what drives us and how it wounds our nature how it takes from us the ability to have charity in our relationships as well as a love for God. And so what baptism does, it says that Christ has come to be joined to us to remake that part of our human nature that's been wounded. This is what we call, another word for this is called grace. And number five, our purpose for living comes from this relationship we are joined to in baptism. What does this purpose do for us? First, it gives meaning to life. All of life can be understood in the light of this love who gave his life in a sacrifice for me and the whole world. Without meaning and without hope, our life has no significance. Joining to Christ brings significance to my life. So being part of God's family then is having significance for our life. Next is knowing our purpose brings simplicity into my life. What makes my life a success is being joined to this relationship and fulfilling his purposes for my life. 
within this perspective, then, choices are weighed in light of this relationship. Next, knowing our purposes focuses my life. Right? Many today live lives of aimless distraction. Without a clear direction, many find their life going in varied and sometimes conflicting directions. Joined to this relationship then brings a focus on the things that really matter. And that's what we're talking about here in this series about uh, plan for God's family. We'll look further other series down the road to talk about uh, we're planned for God's family, we're created, as it were, in his image, to be shaped in his image. We were, we were made to serve. We're, we're each of us are given a unique shape, you know, unique gifts and talents and experiences and spiritual gifts to serve, and each of us are called to a mission. As we fulfill those purposes, then we're, our life has significance, has meaning, has focus, has simplicity. And lastly, knowing our purpose prepares you for eternity. While many people spend their lives creating a lasting human legacy on earth, it's ultimately not what people say about our life that counts, but what God says. All our achievements on earth will fade. All our successes and failures, records and reputations will be forgotten. We're not put on earth to be remembered, but to prepare for eternity. Join to Christ in baptism then puts us in touch with the love that is poured into our life to remake our lives for eternity. At the end, God will ask us two questions. Right? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Learning to love and trust him is the fruit of being joined to him. Second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the gifts, resources, talents, energy, and relationships that I gave you? So we're made for eternity. This life is a preparation for eternity. And those two questions kind of like encompass the purposes of our life as we'll be looking at. How we answer them will determine our eternity. Okay, number six now. This is, again, Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 8. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Okay, so this life is not all there is. God has planned eternity in our heart. We each have an instinct to live forever. There's something within the human spirit to have an existence that is forever. One day, our heart will stop beating, right? And our breathing will cease. Bible often compares us to a tent we live in. We only know so well how vulnerable tents are to the forces of nature. Our life on earth offers us many choices, however, eternity offers us only two, heaven or hell. For this reason, Jesus Christ came to die for us, so we can live for him now and with him forever. If we learn to trust and love God's Son, then we'll be invited to spend eternity with Him. If we reject His forgiveness, love and salvation will spend eternity apart from Him forever. C.S. Lewis said it this way, There are two kinds of people, those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God says, All right then, have it your way. When you understand that your life is lived in the light of eternity, we begin to live differently. This colors how we see all our problems, challenges, goals, activities, and opportunities. 
when we live in the light of eternity, our values change. Jesus died then, as St. Paul is saying, and we're called to live with him. In baptism, we die with him and we were raised with him. So that means then we start seeing our life in light of eternity. We start seeing all the issues that come into our life, the challenges we face. We see all the things the Lord has given us, like our gifts, our resources, our abilities. We see all that now from all different perspectives. We see it in the light of eternity. We see that, um, that I'm made for eternity. So what I do here then has the backdrop of where I will spend eternity. So Jesus came to die and to be raised up in order for us to spend eternity with him. So the question comes down to, as he did, whose will will be done, mine or his? When we talk about the purposes of God for our life, we're talking about the will of God. What are God's purposes for us? Well, one is he's planned us to be part of his family. And being part of his family means choosing to belong to Jesus, choosing to do his will for our life. So number seven, we, this is again from Romans chapter six. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, we, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Because the way you see life shapes life, shapes your life. How you define life determines your destiny. Your perspective influences how you spend your time, invest your money, use your gifts and talents, and interact with your relationships. So what's your view of life? Here's some views of life. Take a look at them. Some see life as a battle. Should be, the key thing is winning. Some see life as a marathon, so endurance is the key. Some see life as a race, so speed is valued greatly. I think that's so true of our culture today. And then some see life as a party. Having fun is a top priority. The Bible view of life is, as St. Paul quotes in Romans 12, not conform ourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of mind. Then you will know the will of God. God's glory is seen best in Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. Because of Jesus, we're no longer in the dark. Jesus came to earth so we could fully enjoy God's friendship. All sin is a failure to give glory to God by honoring this friendship of trust and obedience. So how do I bring glory to God? Well, here's some ways. I worship Him. God wants our worship that is motivated by love, thanksgiving, delight, and duty. So worship is a lifestyle of enjoying and loving God. So how do I bring glory to God? I worship Him. Next, how do I bring glory to God? I Loving other Christians. In baptism, you're joined to Christ and to other believers. So learning to love God means also loving others. 
So how do I bring glory to God? I worship Him, I love other Christians, and I serve others with our gifts. So each of us then is uniquely shaped with gifts and talents and skills and abilities. They're to be used for God's purposes rather than our selfish purposes. So how do I bring glory to God? I worship Him. I love other Christians. I serve others with our gifts, my gifts. And then we tell others about Him. God doesn't want His love to be kept a secret. We introduce others to His love and a life joined to Him. So these are the purposes that we're talking about. To worship Him, to love other Christians, to serve others with our gifts, to tell others about Him. you live for. When Jesus was to be crucified, it was a fork in the road for him. Who was he going to live for? He could have shrunk back into a comfortable, self-centered life. You, you had the same choice. And it's time to settle the issue. Who are you going to live for? You may be concerned that if I decide for God, will I have the strength to live well for so don't worry. God will give you what you need if you make the choice to live for Him. God is inviting you to share His friendship and glory by fulfilling the purposes He made for you. So real life comes by committing yourself completely to Jesus Christ. In baptism, we're joined to Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit come to live in us as they share their life. If you're not sure how to do this, then all you need to do is receive and believe. First is believe God loves you and made you for his purposes. Believe you're not an accident. Believe you're not believe you're going you're made to last forever. Believe God has chosen you to have a friendship with Jesus who died on the cross for you. No matter what you've done, he forgives you. And then receive. Receive Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Receive his forgiveness for your sins. Receive his spirit who will give you the power to fulfill your life purposes. So the question before us is who will you live for? And in baptism, we say that because our life is joined to Jesus, I need to choose him. Whether we're baptized as an infant or an adult, it doesn't really matter. Bottom line is we're called to choose him. And choosing him means believing and receiving. Believing he made you in love and for his purposes. Believing that he made you for eternity with him. And receiving him into your life is a conscious choice we make to accept him and want his purposes to be fulfilled and lived out in our life. So, let's take a moment and bow our heads in prayer. You just pray quite quietly in your heart. If you choose to so pray, what you're doing is, is in a sense accepting and saying, Lord, I believe in you and I receive you. I want to live out your purposes for my life.
Jesus. Like you just pray these words in your heart. Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you into my heart. In baptism, I was joined to you. You died for my sins, so I may be set free from their power. You rose to give me new life, a new beginning. I turn away from my sins and all the ways of my life I have missed the mark of your friendship and glory. Release in me the life and power of your spirit that I may live for the purposes you created me. take a five minute break help yourself there's plenty of refreshments in the kitchen we'll come back and just talk about this some of this and share your thoughts with us